the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today as we are each and every day from 3 to 5 right here on the station. We talk about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. You know, issues of the day here in Southern California has brought an issue that's of uh, national attention right here to the Los Angeles area courtrooms. Hunter Biden went uh, to court today, and we've got people who were there, including on the line with me is Jennifer Van Lahr. She is the managing editor from Red State who was inside the courtroom. Jennifer, thanks for being with us on the Pastor Scott Show. So happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So how was it? I, my, my first question is, is did they let uh, Mr. Biden do his own courtroom sketch, because that would be worth something. I, he might have been sketching something on there. The, the interesting thing to me was when he showed up and hit with his attorneys, they were joking and laughing and smiling, kind of cutting up there in the courtroom. And I found that kind of odd because most normal people, if they found themselves facing federal felonies, would not be so jovial in a courtroom. Yeah. There's probably some reasons, I think, maybe for that. So what are the charges that he is facing? So he's facing basically charges filing uh, false tax returns and failure to file for a couple of years. And these are different on some of the years than uh, things that were brought up in the Delaware courtroom. And the interesting argument his attorney, Abby Lowell, is making is that they're contending that that failed plea agreement from July from Delaware is actually in place that they had a set contract with the government and they're contending that that still controls and they're going to be making motions to that effect and they also argued that there was some undue influence or interference by they're not saying whom i believe that they're referring to congress and members of oversight and judiciary uh they're contending that that is the reason that prosecutors then went and got charges brought in California for those tax, uh, for the tax crimes. And they believe that that's not proper and they want to have evidentiary hearings on those matters. You know, there's obviously a, a political, you know, overtones, not even a big enough word to all of this. It's the president's son. There are issues that could lead to the president's impeachment because of these things. Um, there are issues for Hunter Biden that are significant. And I think I think one of the things that when we look at this case, in, in a lot of ways, I think it's it's getting a lot more attention than maybe it deserves if it was, if it was just a regular person, right? It'd be a tax evader and, hey, big deal. But what almost happened right. is that agreement that you are discussing where he almost was able to get away with everything. And that was going to be very quiet. That's what a lot of people are questioning as far as how the justice system is working here. So his lawyers are still saying that that agreement still is in play. Right. And then according to them, because of that agreement, 
there can't be any uh, tax charges for the years that, that he's now charged with in California. And so that's a really interesting agreement. And while I do think that Hunter gets special treatment because of who he is, I think that, I mean, if any of us were charged with something and we thought that there was political interference, we would want to have our day in court to have a hearing on that. So I'm fully supporting him having a hearing on that, even though I still think that where the special treatment came in was that plea agreement in the first place. Because before I was a journalist, I worked in criminal courtrooms for two decades and never saw a plea agreement like that. Yeah, it was a very unusual plea agreement. See, those things, I think, are what matters a lot here and suggests, you know, there's there's more going on. What do you think is the the fair approach that people ought to have to Hunter Biden during these things since they get so it gets so much attention? I mean, I think we don't want to just go overboard and just say, oh, he's an addict and a terrible human being. He might well be that stuff. But I think that we lose the argument when talking to just reasonable people about the matter if we use that tactic and if we just talk about hey here's someone that that made millions of dollars and didn't report it on their taxes like reported income as loans so that they wouldn't have to pay taxes and you and i would never get away with that and so i think that's kind of the approach but they set a trial date of june 20th um, in la and some motions hearings in march before that so if that in fact goes off is that that will be right in the middle of convention season for the Democrats. It could pave the way for Democrats to push Joe Biden out of the way, depending on what comes up in that trial. I'm one of the people, and I have a bet here with uh, Big Wave Dave, where I think Joe Biden will not be on the ballot in November. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, big Wave Dave thinks he will. I'm and, and I'm going to owe him a big stake if that turns out not to be the case. But uh, yeah. there, there is a part of me that thinks somebody's going to hit the glass at some point on the Democratic side and say, we got to get somebody else. Um, and clearly, this is one of those issues that's pushing. And it's the president's son. I actually feel for the president in this regard, with this being his son. You know, there's a personal side. I think that you're right to say that when we criticize him so heavily for the drug use and other stuff that I'm not sure people respond to that in uh, in a political way. I think that gets more personal. I think so, too. And, and I read all of the documents regarding that July appearance in Delaware, and I felt bad. For, it's clear that this is a man who's been in a lot of turmoil for his entire adult life. And yeah. there's a lot of pain there, and I'm not going to belittle that of someone. I don't like what he's doing with it, but that doesn't change the fact that he's a person in a lot of pain. That's right. And I think we have to keep that in mind. You know, one of the things on the laptop that uh, for those of you listening who don't realize that the laptop was legitimate, turned out, uh, even though people tried to say it wasn't, you know, there was a voicemail from his dad on there, you know, say, you know, trying to encourage him and say everything's going to be okay. You know, that hit my heart. It's like, oh, you know, what? I think that's legitimate. It's a private thing that we shouldn't even have heard. But that side of things, uh, we have to keep that in mind. These are real, all real people we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. On the other hand, though, when we're talking about tax evasion, we're talking about making millions of dollars that is uh, coming from dubious sources and then not reporting it, not paying taxes on it. I think with respect to that, everybody says that can't happen and nobody should get away with that, even if they're the president's son. Well, right. And especially if what where the way he made that, money if that was done by trading on his father's influence or selling favors or doing things that jeopardize our national security put 
lives of innocent people like who are in our military service or intelligence community put them at risk because Hunter wanted to make a buck or Joe wanted to make a buck, that is definitely just inexcusable and they need to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. That's right. And that's that's the serious issue that is here and that uh, Congress is uh that's where the impeachment, if it happens, if President Biden's impeached, it's going to be based upon those issues. Agreed. And and that's where we need to, I think, uh, as conservatives and Christians, is to lay off some of the personal attacks on that and to just take it to people in ways that they understand. Like A lot of people have family or friends that have served in the military, and if they did things that jeopardized our security in that way and put people in, in harm's way even more than they already were, then I think that's how we get people to listen. Yeah, that is a huge point, I think, that you can apply to anything, is that when it becomes personal, you especially issues that people relate to. A lot of people have drug addict sons or they have been uh, dealing with drugs themselves and or it's in their family, alcoholism, whatever it is. It's it doesn't come across well to somebody when you're ridiculing somebody else for that when you've got it in your family. Right. Or even if you do it, you can even say, you know, we've had that in our family and we found at a certain point we had to hold them accountable for their actions regardless. Yeah. And people will identify with that, too. Do you think that the Republicans are going to be able to prove that there is influence in the Biden White House because of these things? Or is it going to be one of those things we think it's true, but we don't really have proof? Well, it depends what people demand as proof. I mean, circumstantial evidence of, you know, phone calls on certain days and bank transactions and then policy changing is, in my mind, and having worked in criminal courtrooms, that's just as convincing as a memo saying, hey, this person called me and said this, and so now I'm going to do this. I mean, in the real world, people don't lay it out like that. You can use circumstantial evidence to put it together. That's right. And multiple uh, shell corporations. How many shell corporations do you have? Uh, None. Yeah, I I don't have any. I look every year. I have not created any of those. So much work. I mean, I look at how much work and how much money just putting into the shell corporation, like, and that's overwhelming. Right, right. Well, is there anything else that you can tell us? Uh, for My guest is Jennifer Van Lahr. She is the managing editor for Red State. She was in the courtroom today, downtown Los Angeles, uh, with Hunter Biden. And uh, anything else of interest that uh, we would like to know? Well, just stay tuned for the the hearings in March to to hear what kind of evidence they might put forward of any undue influence in uh, these new tax charges. Right. I think that's going to be that's going to be really interesting. There's so many things going on right now, Jennifer, in the political world that are untested or that have to do with presidential authority and what they can do or can't do, uh, including the Trump trials and other things. It's a it's a wild year we're going to have. Yep, so buckle up. Buckle up. Jennifer Van Lahr, she's the managing editor from Red State, and uh, you can learn more by going to uh, it's redstate.com, right? Correct. Redstate.com, and they can follow you on the uh, X machine. Uh, Jennifer Van Lahr, just look for Jennifer at, Van Lahr. Yep, at Jen Van Lahr. Yep. At Jen Van Lahr. Jennifer, thanks for being with us, and thanks for all that you do. Thank you. All right. That was Jennifer Van Lahr right here on the Pastor Scott Show. You know, I think that that point, when you get into this, we haven't talked much about the Hunter Biden thing. And part of it, for the the sake of our show, we look at the news uh, from a Christian perspective. And part of that, we look a little bit deeper. And uh, we want to recognize that in the big picture, we want justice to be done. We want the truth to come out, whatever that means politically, one side or the other. And we want to care about people. You know, at the end of the day, 
we want whatever is best for Hunter Biden personally, and we certainly want what's best for this country uh, with all of these things. It, the things that he's being accused of from the standpoint of influence peddling probably happens all the time, actually, to different degrees. Um, and some of it's not even illegal necessarily, but it all matters. And we live in a dangerous time. We're potentially going to war in uh, multiple different places of the world right now, and you don't want to have questions about your leaders and whether or not they're receiving money from Russia or China or Ukraine or someplace like that. So these things are important to flush out. But Jennifer is correct that when we go after a a person in such a way that we are are not <clears throat> acknowledging the realities of addiction and stuff. We shouldn't make excuses for it at all. But we real but when you're trying to make a argument to persuade people, you want to make sure that you're sensitive to the fact that human beings have failings. And we have to be accountable for those. We have to often be held accountable for those in a court of law. Um, but focus on what the issues are and what's true and follow the facts and where they go. Those things, uh, those things matter a lot. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Uh, our own uh, Hot Chocolate Jose was down there today. You got any, uh, any, uh, any good interviews, Jose? Were you able to, uh, to actually speak with Mr. Biden or uh, anybody in particular? Scott? It was a waste of our time. <laughs> we spoke to one guy with a megaphone who just kept saying something about the laptop and some pipe. Other than that, waste of our time. What is the, what's the scene like down there? So you're downtown L.A., which is quite an unusual scene anyway, like whatever street you're on. And uh, what's it like? So we get there. First of all, they gave us a different address, right? So we went there and we passed by it and we're like, hmm, it kind of seems a little empty for, you know, something that something this big. And then we passed by the actual location and we're like, okay, that's the one that we have to go to. There was a bunch of uh, camera crew right there. You know, you had your reporters outside in the front. And then they were just all waiting. We got there. We took some videos. We took some pictures. And we just kept waiting and waiting. And it was cold out there. It's cold out there today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, for uh, wasting your time down there. Uh, just because you might have had the opportunity. You never know. You might get an exclusive interview with uh, Hunter Biden or somebody important. You could invite him to come on our show. It's the Pastor Scott Show. Maybe he wants to come in here and talk about it. We're We're ready to listen. Hey, Hunter Biden. Please come on. It'll make our jobs a lot easier. It'll be much, and it's warmer in here than it was downtown, you know. Come on, and, and more friendly, apparently, than the courtroom. All right, thank you. Appreciate that very much. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Lots of different things in uh, the news. The Republicans had a debate that yesterday was just uh, uh, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Did you watch it? Do you have any thoughts about that? And uh, we're going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to talk about some things, uh, comments that President Trump had in a town hall that was on uh, an opposing channel during the debate. That's been his routine. And the Iowa caucuses are next Monday. That'll be the first real vote in this whole system. And then the New Hampshire primary is on the 23rd. So things uh, get revved up. But there are some things that they said that I think are interesting. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. I want to get to your calls here. Uh, Don from Pacific Palisades, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, 
Yeah, Scott, since you brought up the subject of Hunter Biden, uh, you know, Hunter Biden not committed crimes, so that's not their false witness against not a neighbor. The way wild accusations are just thrown around. The only reason that Hunter Biden's in the news is because Donald Trump is trying to muddy up Joe Biden. You don't think it's He's because he didn't Biden. pay his taxes? He didn't pay it. That, that case originally that looked like a sweetheart deal, according to prosecutors, is exactly the way that they usually handle cases like that, dropping the gun charge, coming up with some sort of agreement to pay back taxes. Um, you know, the uh, the IRS whistleblowers that came forward right before that agreement was uh, put forward, they said that's not true. They they argued that this is a sweetheart deal that is not something that normally would happen to somebody who owes millions they're, of dollars. They're, they're big MAGA people, and they, they, were, they well, were not Do you think for... that a person who owes millions of dollars in taxes should be required to pay those taxes? You want You're asking rhetorical questions now. It's not rhetorical. Okay, yeah, generally speaking, do you think that a person who... Take place in our court of law, okay? That's how these things are settled. Well, let's assume he he made millions of dollars and did not not report the income and therefore did not pay taxes. Does he owe it? Should the courts cause him to owe that money? Decide that, but I know one thing. They wanted him to come in on a closed-door secret session to interrogate him, he wouldn't go on because they would distort what he, what happened there on Fox News. <clears throat> That's all I care about. Well, yeah. for sure, like, for sure, there's a political. The there's, yeah, for sure, there's political element to all of this. Don, I appreciate your call on that. I would I would say that it's important to focus to try to cut through the politics. And you're right, there's politics on both sides related to Hunter Biden and how much where this is going to go. But a person who makes millions of who owes millions of dollars of taxes, you know how much money you have to make to actually owe millions of dollars? And especially when you're making money for doing nothing, you know, for representing your dad or representing, you know, somebody to some other country. And you've got all these, you know, the certain the certain things that we know to be true, that we know to not be just politics. It. It leads to a lot of questions that have to be asked. You know, when somebody in the government is making millions of dollars, somebody just got arrested in the Defense Department for smuggling $100 million, and she took that money and gave it to her own charity and bought a bunch of properties in Texas. Should we not prosecute this person? They're clearly guilty. All right. Well, I, I, the court will decide if she's guilty. Okay, I, I should make that clear. That's true with the Hunter Biden thing as well. But she doesn't deserve a some kind of sweetheart deal if her dad or somebody happens to be in in office somewhere. Hundreds of millions of dollars. This isn't somebody who's stealing stamps and pencils and paper clips from the office. This is somebody who took a hundred million dollars and spent it on herself and got caught. What you know, a person who owes so much money to the IRS. Um, this, you know, presumably that money is trackable, that he received it as income, did not file taxes on it, did not report it. Uh, he's going to owe that money. I don't care if he's the president's son or if there is politics. I think what matters is he should not get in trouble over things that he didn't really do. Um, and uh, But I think if you owe millions of dollars, this is not something the IRS would normally sweep under the rug. Have you ever owed money to the IRS? I, if you ever mispay your taxes, you know, you underpay your taxes, they'll send you a letter and they'll ask you for the 35 bucks. I had this happen once a long time ago. I, I, and I made a mistake on my taxes and I owed them $64. 
and they sent me a letter <clears throat> saying $64 plus interest, and they didn't get back to me for almost six years. It was old. They had seven years or something like that in order to get back to me. All right. I wrote them back. I wrote them back and said, you shouldn't have waited six years. Why didn't you just think I owed like 125 at that point? And back then I was really broke. So that was a lot of money. I wrote a long letter and complained about it, said, I don't think I should owe it. And they wrote me a long letter back and said, no, you owe it. And I had to fork over that money for a hundred bucks, $125 ultimately. You think that the IRS is not going to care about somebody making millions of dollars when they cared about some kid who uh, just owed 100 bucks? I think they care. I think they care a lot. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. Some debate response and town hall response when we come back. You can follow us on on social media at Pastor Scott Show. Look for us on X and uh, Instagram and Facebook. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Who would be in the running for vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you, we'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with any of them? Oh, sure, I will, I will. I've already started like Christy better. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. That would be an upset. Christie for vice president. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce. That was Donald Trump last night on Fox News Town Hall that was played simultaneously to the uh, debate on CNN with Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, the only two who are on the stage, actually, last night for the Republicans. And, uh, you know, what people are saying today. It's one of those things that Trump always says, right? People are saying, are they saying that? You know, you always, whenever somebody says to you, you know, people are saying, you got to ask who's saying. Like people always say that to me when I was pastor, you know, of the church, right? If they didn't like something going on, they'd always say, you know, pastor, people are saying. And I'd always go, what people? Well, you know, people. Is it anybody other than you? <laughs> and they never could name any names. It was always that one guy. But there are people who are saying, many people are saying that this sounds like Trump has already picked whoever his vice president is. But I don't think that's what he says here. Got to listen carefully. I think what he says here is that I already know who's in the running for it, but I'm not sure he's saying he's already picked. You tell me. Who would be in the running for a vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you, we'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any... Maybe that means he knows who it's going to be. Maybe he's already decided this. It's possible, right, that he's already decided. He's not even the candidate yet, but he would be the candidate pretty soon. If he wins Iowa and then he wins New Hampshire, it's probably completely over. Um, And it will be completely over by March 5th, which is Super Tuesday, which, by the way, is when you're going to vote on that. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Who do you think his vice presidential pick is going to be? Could be Christy Noem. A lot of people are saying Nikki Haley. Like, that bugs people who don't like Nikki Haley. But uh, I've said that, you know, privately to people. That's probably... You know, somebody who he would pick. There's other people, Nancy Mace, some people say, uh, Tim Scott. There's a lot of names on that list, but only he could be anybody. could be somebody that uh, could be you. You might be the vice presidential pick. Could be uh, Wilbert. If uh, Trump were to call you, Wilbert, and say, uh, would you be my vice president? You say, Would you say yes? Are you even old? Are you 35? No, not yet. Oh, well, then you'd have I'm, to tell him no. a couple years away. You'd have to tell him no. you got to be 35. But see, I have to start putting my name in the ring now. 
So by the time I'm 35, I can just take off with you, Scott. Exactly. Or by the time we're at 80, because that's go. apparently when you run now. And the way things run now, yeah. Yeah, that's how <laughs> things go. We got a long time. We got a long time before that. Yes. All right. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Did you watch the debate uh, last night or Donald Trump's uh, town hall meeting? Do you get into this? We don't get into all of this all the time. Um, yeah, because, you know, it's... Uh, you know, I wonder if anybody's really watching, but it is becoming important, and particularly because our election is coming up on March 5th, you know, it's it's maybe more fun or interesting to talk about, you know, or emotional to talk about what's happening with the presidential race, which is crazy. So many things that uh, could happen, so many different things, but the local elections are going to matter quite a bit, and, you know, it it's something that I want us to make sure we're paying attention to, that your local school board elections, they matter tremendously. Your county board of supervisors, it matters tremendously. Your city councils, the local elections, the judges, people on that, you're going to get your ballot in the mail here in just a couple of weeks. Did you know that? So you vote by March 5th, but you can start voting in about three weeks. That's incredible. And that's the season we're in here in California. And my friends, it matters. It absolutely matters. Um, all of the things on the ballot. You might have a lot of distaste about Trump and Biden and who might be on the very top of that ballot. But everybody else on that ballot matters. And the people who are local on that ballot, they make decisions that influence your life sometimes more than whoever the president is. We we put so much pressure on the presidency and what that means. But it's the local ballot that matters a lot. This is something that Ron DeSantis uh, reminded us of, and this is on the ballot in every state. It's wrong to have pornographic materials in fourth or fifth grade. And you know what's happened? They'll go to school board meetings all around the country. They'll start reading it and they say, oh, no, no, it's too graphic. You can't read it here. You can't put it on the six o'clock news. Well, if you can't, if it's not appropriate in a school board meeting and you can't put on the six o'clock news, why are you jamming it down the Governor. throats of a fourth grader? See, that argument is obviously something that he had to deal with when he was in, in still governor of Florida. Um, but that's happening in your neighborhood. The issues of parents' rights, the issues of what kinds of things are being taught to, you know, second, third, and fourth graders. We're not even talking about high school sex ed or junior high sex ed. We're talking about little kids. And he makes a right point here that if you can't say it in the school board meeting and you couldn't put it on the six o'clock news, I can't read you on this show. I cannot do it. I can't do it legally because the FCC would be after me. And I can't do it probably emotionally because you don't want to hear the specifics of that stuff uh, on this show or any other show. But your third and fourth graders, your second graders, they get to hear that. That is on the issue. That is an issue in every school district everywhere. And that shouldn't be right or left. It shouldn't be Republican versus Democrat, and it shouldn't be, you know, conservative versus liberal or whatever you want to say. My friends, there is a lot going on on that down ballot that matters. And so even here, as we talk about you know, what might have been said in the presidential debate, and if that is something that you, know, you have one side or the other, maybe you've decided something, that's great. But whatever you've decided, pay attention to all of those small issues. Pay attention to those names you've never heard of on your ballot. Pay attention to the names of people that are particularly going to decide how your kid gets educated and decide how parents are going to be informed or not informed about what's going on. It's crazy out there for your kids. This is a time to get your kids out.
in my opinion. But that's not the uh, an option for everybody, and I know that. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. Chris Christie, presidential candidate, he quit uh, yesterday, dropped out, and uh, not surprising, and, uh, you know, other than uh, he had about 12 percent in some polls in New Hampshire, but he wasn't showing up in most other polls out there. And uh, maybe the reason he's quitting is he's strongly opposed to Donald Trump. That's what his statement when he quit uh, mostly focused on. And his 12 percent, if it goes over to Nikki Haley, she might get within single digits of Donald Trump in New Hampshire. The only chance that this that the that Donald Trump is not the Republican nominee um with respect to the primaries are concerned anyway, obviously there's court things and there's, you know, other things that can happen in life, but is that if DeSantis or Haley wins in Iowa, either one of them, and then Nikki Haley wins in New Hampshire, and then coming up in uh, South Carolina would be the next big Republican primary. Nevada's in there before that, but nobody cares about Nevada, but South Carolina is a huge deal. If she won that one and DeSantis and everybody is out, she might have some momentum. Um, but if that doesn't play out, and the same would be true if DeSantis wins that, um, she might be the one to do that because of just the timing of that. She's the former governor of South Carolina. But if that doesn't happen, then what we're going to see is uh, Donald Trump probably on March 5th have enough delegates or pretty close to become the Republican nominee. Incidentally, Biden is running. There is a primary. There are Democratic primaries and minor candidates running. Uh J, uh, RFK Jr. is uh, withdrawn from that. He's running as an independent. He will very likely be on the ballot in November. Uh, and in fact, if there are presidential debates, which I think is doubtful in the fall, but if there are, uh, RFK might be on the stage. And it will be the rule before, whenever it was Ross Perot. Remember Ross Perot? That guy, Ross Perot. There'll be a giant sucking sound of uh, jobs going to Mexico. That's what he said back in the day. <clears throat> And a lot of other things he had to say. You know, he got 19% of the vote. Uh, most people, I'm one of those people, thinks that uh, George Bush would have been reelected in 1992, but for Ross Perot. Um, I think that uh, RFK Jr. could pull 19 or 20% away from the. I think that's possible. Anyway, he's going to be on that stage. That's a whole different thing, right, this year that we haven't seen for a while. Uh, at any rate, the President Biden, an interesting thing to watch if you if you just like the politics of things. There is an internal squabble with the Democrats on the order of primaries. Traditionally, you have the Iowa caucus followed up by the New Hampshire primary. Well, the Biden people didn't want that. They wanted South Carolina to go first with respect to primaries, and they wanted New Hampshire to move its state. New Hampshire said, no, we're not doing that. Why would we do that? That's crazy. And so Biden not, did not put his name on the ballot in New Hampshire. Well, the interesting thing that they're doing, though, is Biden said, okay, well, I won't be on the ballot and sort of to punish New Hampshire and whatever the, it's all inside baseball and the political side of all of that. But what's interesting is that they're deliberately running a write-in campaign so that New Hampshire, when it has its primary, because it would be bad, even if his name's not on the ballot, it would be bad if somebody else wins, if somebody else's name is up there. Uh, So there's a write-in campaign for Joe Biden if you're in New Hampshire. And that is – I think that's just an interesting thing politically. You've got to write his name down. Uh, But he'll – right now in the polling, if you look at all the polling in New Hampshire, he's going to win that uh, even as a write-in. There's so much politics. Does it interest you or is it just me? You know, that kind of stuff, you know, might be just me. But the the politics of things matters and how we choose our leaders. I think that 
this fall, it's a good idea for all of us to pay attention, to pay attention to how people get picked. And I'll finish with this thought here. The primary that's coming up on March 5th here in California that you will be able to vote in might be more important actually than the general election because it's that where you pick the people who will be on the ballot in November. And if you're saying to yourself, you know what, I, I just don't want the same person to be on the ballot who's always on the ballot. Well, the primary is how you get rid of them. If you're saying, you know what, I'm a, I'm a Democrat and I don't see myself voting Republican, but I'm tired of these Democrats who keep winning. Well, the primary is where you vote for some other Democrat. You know, there's multiple people running for uh, California Senate. You don't have to vote for Adam Schiff if he's not your guy. There's other people on there. And, you know, but if whoever wins on March 5th, they're the people who are going to be on the ballot in November. See, it matters. Uh, Those choices matter. This is how you get better candidates in both parties, by voting in the primary, by taking that very seriously. And you know what? Only about 20 percent of Californians actually bother to vote in the primary. 20 percent. If you wonder why things are so bad, that has a lot to do with it. All right. We'll be back as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. We've been, you know, internally kind of laughing at some of the things uh, Senator John Fetterman is saying because it seems like it's just very plain spoken. And all of a sudden, this person who is a liberal senator from from Pennsylvania is uh, making a lot of sense to a lot of people just by saying things the way they are. So we thought, you know, there's almost something every day we could talk about. Here's something that he said earlier in the week regarding to the situ- regarding the situation on the border. There's a crisis at the border, and uh, I don't know how anybody could pretend that there isn't. <laughs> well, people are pretending that there isn't, but uh, there you go. Here's here's Fetterman talking about the how to end the Israel and uh, Gaza war. I would ask anyone, if anyone that believes in a ceasefire, I would just say, let's just let's call for Hamas to surrender. And, and pull, put down their guns. And then that would end all of the misery and the killing and, and, and everything. Uh, you know, I believe to be on the right side for Israel on this. And I believe that we will never have peace or a stable two-state solution unless we destroy Hamas. You know, this is a guy who uh, two years ago had a massive stroke, probably should not have run for Senate at that point. You know, they hid the stroke. A lot of politics were related to all of that. And he barely won. He he probably would have won before the stroke. People don't realize that he was popular and very well known in Pennsylvania. He probably was going to win. People, you know, nationally, you get a, a perspective of local elections that is often incorrect. Uh, people on the ground, people who live there, you know, somebody said one time that all politics is local. I think that's true in most cases. But uh, and then he went to the Senate, if you remember, and then he immediately checked himself into a clinic somewhere because of depression. And he had a hard time just putting a sentence together. He had a hard time hearing. But ever since he came out of there, he's been healing a lot, I think, uh, emotionally, certainly physically. And uh, he makes a lot of sense. I think he's right about that. That If you want a ceasefire in Gaza, which would be good because there's terrible killing, it's terrible. You've got to have Hamas quit. They have to surrender. And you've got to demand that they do that because a ceasefire on one side is not a ceasefire. 
And if Israel stops doing whatever they're doing, whatever you think of it, they might be, you might have opinions that they're doing it wrong. That's, that's fine. But Hamas keeps saying, we don't want to cease fire. We want to keep killing you. And we also benefit politically when you kill us. So that works out. And uh, we're going to keep firing rockets at you all the time in the numbers of the thousands. Uh, That's the situation over there. It's pretty terrible. Anyway, you know, plain spokenness is something I think that we could use a lot of in our life and uh, 888-528-2557, is the number. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. You know, tell us what you really think. Yesterday, Chris Christie, uh, he quit the presidential race, and, uh, you know, he had a long statement and all those kinds of things that you do. But right after that, something got leaked, and it is Chris Christie on a hot mic. A hot mic is... Um, if you don't understand that term, sometimes you hear what somebody is saying uh, off the record, but their microphone is still on because they're wearing a microphone and somebody records it, right? So you get you can get in a lot of trouble with that. As uh, your pastor maybe uh, sometimes is leaving the room and he's still got the microphone on that he's preaching with, right? And if he doesn't turn it off or they don't turn it off at the soundboard, then you hear whatever gets said, to, you know, outside. Uh, this is Chris Christie on the hot mic talking about politics, Let's you know. Yeah. Well, when you give land to China and places like that. Yeah, that's what you get. What he's going to do here is he's going to criticize Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis for how much money that they are spending uh, on their campaigns. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, she spent $68 million so far, just on TV. Spent $68 million so far, $59 million by DeSantis, and we spent twelve. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She hasn't even she's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he's, gonna, he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Oh, he's, I, t- you know, I talked to De- DeSantis called me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out of after Iowa. Well, now, that's where it got cut off, so we don't really know what he said after after that. I don't know if they turned it off or if whoever leaked it uh, edited out whatever he said about DeSantis there. Probably DeSantis, what he was going to say. My My guess is... DeSantis petrified that Christie was going to endorse Nikki Haley because that would might take his 12 percent in New Hampshire and send it uh, for the most part that way. I don't know if endorsements really work. Anyway, you know what I found interesting about that? Maybe you heard that is that he's telling you what he really thinks there, that he doesn't think Nikki Haley is really up to it. Whether he means the campaign or the job of president, I'm not sure, but he's, she's not up to something and he thinks she's going to get smoked, right? So his personal opinion is that she doesn't have a chance. That's his actual opinion. And his actual opinion about Ron DeSantis is that he's petrified about whatever, and we don't know exactly where he went with that. But I found it interesting, and that's something about Donald Trump that is different, is Donald Trump would have said that on the stage. You know, Donald Trump has his own uh, hot mic problems, and usually you don't want to hear that. But it is something interesting that I think if Donald Trump were, if those are his opinions, and I think they probably are, he would have just said it during the debate. Uh I don't know. I don't know if, uh, you know, you ever say stuff in the, you know, behind the scenes that it's how you really feel. And there's there's probably something about decorum and speaking a certain way when you're in front of people that matters. Um, But you've got to be able to actually speak your mind. You've got to be able to, you know, maybe you're going to speak more plainly when you're around your friends and you can put your guard down. I think we all do that. 
right? You probably do that somewhere in your life. You speak differently to the people who are close to you because you trust that they're not going to put your information out there on the Internet. But you might speak differently when you're speaking to a crowd. Uh, mostly I speak the same uh, in real life on the radio as I do here. I think <laughs> I think that works. I've got a hot mic on me for two hours a day. And uh, who knows what I, there, I'm in a radio studio. There's all kinds of hot mic stuff. You got stuff uh, that I've said that I uh, probably shouldn't have said. <laughs> I probably do somewhere. I have yeah. a lot of recordings of you. <laughs> yeah. Wilbur just keeps a file just in case uh, Pastor Scott gets. People out don't of know line. you sit in the studio by yourself uh, for about an hour or two before the show starts. Right. So I just have some things you you just commonly say. I'm here for. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm here for a while. You don't even need it because you got the AI, Scott Furrow. You can just make it up as you go. You know what, though? I think that what matters a lot for us, even as believers, is that we speak very plainly, that we are able to just clearly state what our faith in Jesus is, and it doesn't get convoluted up into a whole lot of things. That gets difficult when the politics are involved, doesn't it? That gets difficult when you're passionate about uh, an issue of the day, whatever that is, and to reconcile your faith around that. And, you know, what I always think about with myself with that, you know, how would Jesus actually talk about these issues? I used to joke, you know, people would say, was Jesus a Democrat or Republican? And my joke was, well, he's neither. He's in the Green Party. Ah, Not because of left and right, but because of creation. Okay, that was the joke. But actually, he's none of the above because he's not a citizen of the United States. And the thing I think to remember about Christ is he's going to be laser focused on discipleship ultimately. And I think one of the things he's going to want us to do is let our yes be yes and our no be no. I think if Jesus were to speak to us on political issues, you know, what side would he pick? Sometimes I think there's a a side that we haven't thought of. When you read the New Testament and Jesus is asked, are you this or are you that? So often there is a third angle because he gets to the core of what is being said here. Do we need to pay our taxes you know, and the challenge to that question to Jesus was, you know, if you say no, we're not going to pay our taxes to Caesar, then what you're saying is is that we can break the law and we can be in rebellion and we don't need to pay our taxes, Jesus. Or you could say, yes, you need to pay your taxes to Caesar. And the way we're going to apply it is, well, now you're supporting Caesar's wars and Caesar's injustices. And how can you be for that, Jesus, right? It's a tricky question when you think about it. Uh, instead, he says, give, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto the Lord what is Lord's. You know, that threw everybody for a loop. That causes you to think, right? Who's on the coin? Whose picture is on the coin? You know what's interesting about that is that on that coin is a picture of Caesar, but it says something on it. And it says Caesar is Lord, that's what it actually says on the coin. It says, show me a coin, right? You pick up the coin, you look at it. You know what it says. You know what it says on our coins, right? It says, in God we trust. That's what it says. That's the motto. Well, the Roman motto was Caesar is Lord. As part of the imperial cult, you were supposed to treat Caesar as God, essentially. And um, you would pay tribute to him as God. You could have your gods, but uh, they were secondary to the empire uh, in the imperial cult. And you had to say Caesar is Lord. And it's an interesting aspect to that when uh, Jesus is Lord, actually. And he says, take a look at that coin. What does it say? It says Caesar is Lord. Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and the Lord what is Lord's. Um, it makes you think there are many, many sermons about that. Whatever your political opinions are about things, I think it's important that you're able to speak them clearly 
But keep in mind that, you know, there are certain things that it, that you can be right or wrong about, and probably Jesus doesn't care, you know. Uh, he cares about what your heart thinks about it. And there are certain things where you might be very right about it, but you, your job is to be loving and persuasive, you know, not permissive, not, you know, not be somebody who uh, just allows um, <clears throat> for, you know, the wrong thing to ultimately become policy, but somebody who is able to say, you know, the wrong thing might become policy, but somebody who wants to be persuasive. I believe that's something that we can be is persuasive. You get there by loving the person, by listening to their perspective, by being flexible where flexibility is possible. Um, and then being very clear and plain spoken about things. The abortion argument, for example, that's why I don't like the words pro-life and pro-choice. We've talked about that before because they, they lead you down the road of other language. Pretty soon you're talking about things that aren't abortion. You're talking about women's health care and mammograms and all of that, or you're talking about the border issues or the death penalty or other life-related issues. All those things matter. But now you're not talking about abortion anymore. Be pro-abortion or anti-abortion And let's talk about that. Hey, when we come back, Donald Trump made some comments about abortion in the debate uh, in the town hall yesterday. And we're going to play some of those clips. And I want to get your thoughts about that, plus what some other uh, candidates have had to say because of the nuance of it. I'm real curious to what you would think about that. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're on each and every day from 3 to 5. You can follow us at Pastor Scott Show on social media. Just look us up on, on X and Instagram and Facebook at Pastor Scott Show. Give me a follow right now, and you can watch us live at kkla.com for our live stream. We'll be back as the second hour of the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 